talking about chicken a la king. Mango and garbanzo tabbouleh. potatoes and vegetables with roasted garlic and basil. Zucchini ziti. Granola fruit bar. Look at all this beautiful food. Hello, I'm Dan Adude, and welcome to Green Eggs and Dan. Like many of you, I'm stuck at home during this pandemic, eating and drinking my face off. And so are most of my guests. Going okay. Do you mind doing a clap on three? So that leaves me with a laptop from 2012, my own mic, and me alone in a room, hoping my guests are able to record their half of the conversation. All right, let's get started. Uh, So, bear with us. Look at all this beautiful food. Welcome to Green Eggs and Dan. My guest today is the chef owner of three iconic New York Italian restaurants, Supper, Frank, and Little Frankie's. And he's become my latest Instagram obsession by using his platform to be the cooking teacher we never knew we needed, but now cannot imagine life without him. Please welcome the one and only Frank Prisanzano. Frank. Thank you, Dan. I'm so excited we made this happen, man. I've been... I've been geeking out on your videos like crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it's nuts. It's funny because my cousin told me about you. My cousin Elliot uh, turned me on to you like I'd say like eight nine months ago. Mm-hmm. And you had like you had like twenty thousand followers on Instagram, something like that. You've got like hundred fifty k now. I I had at the beginning of the at the beginning of the pandemic I had sixty five thousand. Sixty five. Okay, that was it. Now I have one hundred forty seven. So, yeah, <laughs> it's pretty crazy. You know? It's a meteoric rise, and uh, it's w- very well-deserved. We'll, we'll get into the show in a second. But first, I want to show everyone uh, your fridge. Let's get into it. Uh, you guys can see uh, the fridge on my Instagram, at StandUpDam. Uh, let me open this pretty big here. Okay, cool. Here we go. We got a, we got a pretty good fridge here. <laughs> you just took this picture. Um, so I just I, literally, literally took it. I didn't plan any of this, so you know. So that's how that's how it looks right now. This is how it looks. I'm actually really. I usually have a lot more stuff in my fridge, but we were down in Miami, you know. So we came back, and you know, we're going down for Christmas again. So you know, this is the situation. Look, can I tell you? This is kind of how I imagined your fridge to be because it seems like simplicity is a big credo of a lot of the stuff. Oh yeah. You do. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> so you've got like. You've got a couple of, you know, first of all, it looks like you're sponsored by Fiji Water. <laughs> well, I mean, I buy whatever's, you know, cheapest between uh, uh, Fiji, Volvic, and Avion Water. I like spring water, so, you know, so that's what I do. Yeah. And then you're like, you're a big fan of the grass-fed uh, milk yes. products. That and that's, is... that's right in the middle, you see it. You see that orange butter? You see how orange it is? It's crazy. I don't think I've ever seen butter that orange. <laughs> well, it's 100% grass Grass-fed Guernsey cow from you're from Pennsylvania, basically. And uh, I just lost your video somehow, but I I guess we don't need it. Yeah, so it's exciting because I found these guys about 14, 15 years ago yeah. through a friend of mine, and they're they're a raw dairy co-op, you know. So they're constantly under assault by the dairy industry because you know they're making sure that raw dairy does not make a comeback, which is fucking horrible. Yeah. And I mean, I hate when they do stuff like that. I mean, raw dairy is the best dairy for you. I mean, there is no doubt about it. And this is grass fed dairy as well. So that's why the color because they're eating grass. You know, I mean, that's what happens that all all the fat turns yellow. And that's that's the way it's supposed to be. 
Yeah, there was a place in L.A. that was doing raw milk and uh, they got busted by the cops. Like people came in with fucking like uh, MC. Yeah, the federal government will come in on them. Absolutely. The federal government just it's it's insane because the dairy industry has has a very powerful lobby, obviously. And, you know, they'll do it. I mean, very carefully they have to operate. Everyone has to sign an agreement before you even buy the milk. You know, you got to sign a disclaimer and everything like that. Yeah. Because they're they're constantly assaulted, but they continue to keep doing it because the audience here in New York City is big. Everyone wants it, and it's because it's a big difference. I mean, I don't even eat other dairy. I don't even touch it. I I wasn't having dairy for a long time. I was just using butter. I was just using, you know, grass fed Kerrygold was what I was using. Yeah. And uh, when this came along, I mean, I swapped it out immediately but i mean i wasn't drinking any milk i wasn't really using cream and things you know i was i was just trying to stay away from it because i didn't i didn't i didn't trust any dairy i mean who knows what they're feeding these cows i have no idea you know these feedlots and everything else it, yeah. i mean i just gave it up and but 15 years ago i found these guys and i've been having a ball with their products i mean it's amazing flavor on it's it's unrivaled unrivaled and then they try to make you think that you're gonna die if you have raw milk. Like you're gonna you're gonna like drop dead right away. I mean, I don't really drink straight up raw milk out of the carton that often. You know what I mean? I right. mean, I don't really have cereal you know, with milk that often. Okay, yeah. but that would be the only possible danger. Because if you're cooking the butter and you're cooking the cream, everything dies. So there's exactly. So I mean, it's even better than pasteurization. You know. So I mean, if you really feeling, you know, concerned about it, warm it up, warm it up. (laughs) It's still going to be better than, you know, than anything out of a, anything out of a carton, you know, from a feedlot. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, And then uh, on that second row there, you seem to have like, are those all preserves or jams? Yeah, actually those are mostardas is what they're called. Uh, They're, yeah, all the way back there. There's some jam there too, but most of them are mostardas. There's a fruit juice jam there, you know, the polliner fruit juice jam that they make. They don't put any sugar. They just sweeten it with with uh, concentrated fruit juices. So yeah. I have that. And then behind that is a bunch of Italian stuff that I get when I go to Italy. I mean, I bring them back when I go to Italy. They have so many crazy kinds of mustardas, which are preserves that are made specifically to eat with cheese and bolito misto, boiled okay. Meats. Yeah, bolito mito is like a is like a kind of grab bag of different boiled meats. Yeah. That what is it? Just like slowly braised. Yes. For like a long time. What we do is we bring up a big pot of water, and we throw the meat item that takes the longest to cook in first, and then we span that out. Yeah. You got to guess. Throw that in first. And then the, the next longest, the next longest, the next longest, until everything is perfectly tender and gelatinous. Yeah. Okay? So, and it's, you know, it takes some practice to do. Or you can, you know, cook them separately and then combine them later if you wanted. And, you know, we do boiled vegetables with it as well. We do, like, carrots. We do celery. We do all kinds of different things. Yeah. And it is literally served on the plate right out of that broth, and you eat it with things like, Salsa verde, uh, salsa rosso, which is, you know, red sauce in Italian, a green sauce. It's like a cold sauces that are made. One's made with tomatoes and anchovies and onions, the rosso. And, you know, the salsa verde is made with a bunch of herbs, garlic, yeah. anchovies as well. And also these 
mostardas, which are sweet mustard oil fruits. So mm. they're sweet and spicy. Like horseradish spicy. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's a delicacy up in the north of Italy. I used to serve it at supper for a long time, but I don't know what happened. We had such a hard time selling it. People didn't understand it, really. And I just decided, you know, to pull it off for a while and reintroduce it when I could promote it properly, you know, through Instagram. So I'm planning on maybe doing that next year. I was thinking of doing it this year, but with the pandemic, it doesn't make sense because we don't have that much eat in business right now. And you really can't, and you can't serve Belito for delivery. I mean, you can't. Right, right, right. So I want to talk about your restaurants for a minute. And and, because it's going to, I'm going to get into, it's going to pivot into your Instagram, but so I came, I lived in New York, uh, from like 2000 to 2013, 14, okay? Wow, long time. Yeah, and I was like super, I was very into the restaurant scene that was happening at the time. It was always very exciting, you know? Like, I think it started with like, I'd say Batali started doing Babo, which kind of, you know, started a little revolution. And then there was like Wiley Dufresne had 71 Clinton Fresh Foods. Mm-hmm. And all these like really interesting restaurants were popping up, like the Spotted Pig. And then like, my buddies and I would just go from place to place to place, and we get this like rush and this like we were like drug addicts going from from these like avant garde cool restaurants to avant garde cool restaurants, and in between we'd always hit up one of your places. Thank and you. your places were so interesting to me because they were they were kind of under the radar in a way. You weren't oh, like yeah. this. You weren't like this bombastic. Purposely celebrity. under the radar. Purposely. Yeah, you were. You weren't this like bombastic celebrity chef who was like going out and doing TV and this and that. And your food was like, it was so simple, but it, but we would leave and have that same exact feeling that we'd get from all these avant-garde wacky restaurants. And it was confusing to me almost. I was like, why the <laughs> fuck do I like supper so much? Because I think I was, you know, I was like a fledgling foodie and I didn't really get food. And I think the key to your food is this. It's, Simple, but not easy. There's exactly. <laughs> a huge difference between simple and easy, right? And now that I see the way that you cook and I see you creating the dishes, it makes so much sense. Because when you're only cooking, Italian food is so fucking simple. There's like three or four ingredients in, in the dish. And if you don't get the best ingredients, and if you don't treat them with the utmost respect, Execution. Execution, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, and that's, your style of cooking is my favorite style of cooking because it's you can whip something up if you know what you're doing you can whip something up every night whereas like look i love i i'm i'm middle eastern i love mediterranean food but if i'm cooking something from like odalenghi's jerusalem cookbook i i I need a fucking pantry the size of my house (laughs) to make a salad (laughs) you know yeah I mean, I go against those things, man. I mean, that's all. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, that's what we call muddled flavors. And unless you're orchestrating a symphony of spices to create what you consider a unique flavor, which is really what happens in a lot of these spice mixes and, you know, Middle Eastern food, that's different. You know what I'm saying? That's curated and that's historic sometimes. Like, you know, curries. I mean, you know, you know, curry's a perfect example. I mean, I respect curries. Yeah. What I don't respect is just throwing 20 things into something and expecting it to be good. You know, it just doesn't work that way. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so when I when I was in New York, I I, I interned at the Spotted Pig for three summers in the kitchen. Really? Yeah. 
And I learned something while cooking there, which is that 95% of recipes are complete bullshit filler. Totally bullshit. Chefs don't use recipes. I'm, I'm, I'm 45 years working in the business. I started when I was um, literally 43 years working inside a restaurant. I started when I was 12 years old as a dishwasher. I've never been handed a recipe ever by a chef in a restaurant. I've never seen anyone use one in a restaurant. We don't use them. We teach yeah. each other how to make it. We check up on each other. It's all about the technique always, okay? And we leave it up to the individual person on the line to decide how much to put. I mean, that is where their creativity comes in. And it's very, very subtle differences, you know, between, you know, all of my line cooks. But they're all masterful at what they do, and it represents them. And that's yeah. one, of the, one, of the, one of the reasons why my guys have been with me, you know, for, you know, 23 years because they can express themselves within the constraints of my menus. Yeah, and, and which brings me to your fucking Instagram, which is my new <laughs> obsession. You, are, you have in your highlights a bunch of, you don't call them recipes, you call them methods, which I love that. Yes. They're methods and you teach, you know, there's simple things like how to fry an egg and how to make uh, cacio pepe. But within them, it's not about the egg, it's not about the cacio pepe, you're teaching people how to trust themselves in the kitchen, how to manage heat, how to manage salt. Yes. And I, I swear, if anyone listening actually wants to learn how to cook, just fucking go through each one of those highlights and cook everything. You will learn so much more than any culinary school will even teach you. I have culinary students messaging me every day telling me I've learned more in three months watching you than I learned in two years of culinary school. <laughs> and it's... I understand that because when I got out of culinary school, that's when I really started to go to work on perfecting techniques. Okay? Yeah. And not only that, but idiot proofing them. Mm. Okay. Designing them so I can teach almost anyone how to almost anyone how to do it so that I don't have to work in my own restaurants. You understand? Mm. I mean, that's that's the goal. And also to be able to share my my knowledge simply and easily with large groups of people, which makes it easy for me to affect a lot of people. I mean, look, I'm a chef. I consider it my responsibility. What I have, what I have learned is, should be common knowledge. I, it should always be common knowledge. This is this, I mean, I'm a scientist. That's how I look at it. I'm doing all these experiments. I'm sharing the results of all my experiments. And I think every chef should do that, just like every scientist does it to advance science. I am advancing cooking, science by explaining things in a very particular way to people and giving them the things to look for when you're making a mistake. Okay. Mm. That's the most important thing is also, also bringing their palates up. This all started when I was making a crispy egg for myself and, and, and I just had an epiphany. I'm like, if I could teach everyone how to do this, I would get rid of every nonstick pan in everyone's house. And everyone would learn how to sear, not only, not only an egg, but if you learn the crispy egg method, you are learning the searing method. Mm -hmm. it's, it's wax on, wax off. The same method for searing, for searing my roasted chicken method, for, this, for my seared salmon method, for putting a crust in oil on anything. And then the brown butter method is more complex. It's for putting a brown butter crust on anything. But the... The methods are very similar. With the with the butter, you're just doing it a little bit cooler. 
Yeah. With the oil, you're going for a higher temperature and more of a hard crust. That's an olive oil flavored crust. You see? Yeah. So exactly that. Wax on, wax off, Dan. I'm literally taking everyone and I'm not even telling them that I'm teaching them anything. I'm just saying, learn how to make the egg. And then on DM, I'm like, okay, now you, now you can do the seared salmon too. Try yeah. the seared salmon. You'll see exactly what I mean. And then they, they come back at me like with tears in their eyes, dude. It's, They're like, oh my God, I can cook. I love it. And I'm it. like, that's all it took, right? I mean, I mean, it's unbelievable. The, that's what I'm getting off on is the reaction of people. And I'm able to get into families' homes, you know what I'm saying, and make their food better, so much better, that the kids are eating better, everyone's eating better, and they're eating greens too, man. Yeah. Eating greens because I'm pushing – I am pushing nutrition here too, man. I want to make everybody happier and healthier. Quality of life, man. Quality of life. That's what my restaurants have have always been about. Feel at home. Come in and have a wonderful time with us. You have nothing to worry about. We are yeah. so different from a lot of other restaurants. We, I would kill one of my waiters if they tried to sell something at the table. I would oh, literally kill them. I'm so I would kill glad them. you said I would that. Say, I would say, <laughs> don't ever, ever try to sell anything to anyone. Yeah. You give them information. You give them what they need. And that's it. Period. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I can't stand about all the restaurants. I mean, replacing the wine without asking, the water without asking. I mean, dude, I'm over fine dining. I'm just dude. over it. I mean, I only go to visit fine dining restaurants where I have a relationship with them. Otherwise, yeah. I don't even go anymore. So honestly, I, I, yeah. I'm completely over it. I'm tired of being spoken to by waitrons. First yeah. of all. I'm tired of being given robot spiels about what's on the menu and, and you know, who's in the kitchen. I'm tired of them interrupting my fucking conversation. Yes. Okay? I, I'm, honestly, Preach. I'm like, get, Preach. I'm like get, get away from the table, please. When I need you, I'll call you. You've aggravated me now. This is the third time you've interrupted us. I like okay? it. To, to, to refill the water. Like, you know what I'm saying? I mean, like, get the hell out of here. I'm like, what are you doing here? <laughs> Dude. What is on the table and my glass is half full? Why are you topping me off? <laughs> hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I also fucking hate it when, oh my God, if I'm at a restaurant and I'm like, I'm trying to think between this or that and the waiter's like, oh yeah, get the, get the fish. I'm like, no fucker. I didn't ask you what you wanted. I'm like, go into a little more detail on both of them and then I'll fucking make a decision. <laughs> it's so disrespectful to the chef to be like, get this one instead of that one. Like, no, dude, the chef put it on the menu. It should be oh fucking my good. God. Disrespectful to the chef. Can you believe that you even have to listen to that? You uh, come into a restaurant paying your hard-earned money yeah. and you got to suck it up to some guy who's the fucking chef? I'm like, dude, this shit's got to end. I'm, I'm fucking sorry. You know what? It's not a privilege to be here to eat in your restaurant. It's a privilege that you have me here. Yeah. Since when did hospitality get flipped like that? You know, I think, that shit. I think it happened in the, I'm going to say the mid, the mid to late 2000s, like hipster service is what I call it. It's hipster service when these people are just like too cool for school. I'm like, hey, fuck you, man. 
Like it's ridiculous. Uh, it's ridiculous, man. It's ridiculous, and it's not hospitality. Yeah. And and, and I mean, I lit. I'm so lucky because my entire clientele basically follows me on Instagram. Yeah. And tells me everything that happens in my restaurants. Okay. It's yeah. very rare that we have incidents, but just like any other restaurant, shit happens. We, you know, we have complaints, but the great thing is most of them come to me. Yeah. And 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 I solved it right away and and we get to the root of the problem and that has made the restaurants run so much better i mean you know, restaurants run for that long is like unheard of especially in New yeah York. i mean i got i got 23 years at frank 19 at little frankie's and 19 at supper that's crazy that's insane it's <laughs> crazy so let's go back to the to you being the mr miyagi of cooking because i think actually that's the <laughs> best way that's the by the way you guys can stream cobra kai on netflix it's a, it's a show i'm <laughs> plugging my own shit now but like I do think the mystery Miyagi is a perfect kind of, it's a perfect way to think about it. Now, I'll, I'll tell you, I cooked a bunch of the stuff uh, before I even knew that we were going to talk. I was like, I want to fucking, <laughs> and one of, there's a couple takeaways that I really love that you taught me. And one of them is 312 degrees Fahrenheit. Yes, yeah, such a big one, dude. Dude. See, the, the candy jam method is so important. It's just like the crispy egg method because the crispy egg teaches you your pans and the heat in your stove on top. Yeah. The candy jam teaches you your own oven and mm. what happens at certain temperatures. It's so important that everybody know at 312 degrees, sugar starts to caramelize, okay? Bread starts to toast. Everything that is going to turn brown happens above 312. Yeah. So if you cook something below 300 and your oven's calibrated, and that's why I tell people 250 and below just to be sure, because most ovens are 50 to 75 degrees high or low. Yeah. You know, that's, that's the other thing is you get your oven calibrated by going through the exercise with the candied yam. Okay. Because you'll be able to tell by how the yam reacts, whether or not the oven is too hot or too cold, but between I tell people between 325 and, and 500 degrees, play with the yam. Mm. Play with it. Play with yeah. time and temperature. And get yourself accustomed to how that affects something. Then you're going to be able to roast very easily. You're going to be able to roast anything you want very easily. You're going to be able to think about the heat penetration. See, that's the other thing. Watches and timers got to go out the window if you want to flow. You don't want to be like this when you're fucking lodged trying to figure it out. You disconnect yourself from your internal clock when you right. do that. Right. You need, right. Your internal clock will stay in touch with what's in the oven if you allow it to. If you start thinking about, wow, that's that's been a while now. I think that I think that might be close to being done. That's when you go in and you check. You start trusting those gut instincts. That's what line cooks do every day. We yeah. get in touch with that. We don't stick fucking thermometers in the shit behind the line nobody does that this is like a, this is like a, this is a farce okay and we don't use cast iron pans in the in the in fucking restaurant kitchens either they weigh too much you know, they're impossible to clean they're corrosive it's like i see chefs promoting cast iron i'm laughing my ass off i'm like how much you get paid for that i go it's a fucking antique pan nobody uses that shit Are you serious grandmas make fucking cornmeal and shit in it okay great in the, in the South, you know, they're frying chicken in it. Fantastic. To continue to keep doing that. But otherwise, what do you need it for? Nothing. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I think, again, man, the simplicity of it all, it just makes so much sense. I remember I was watching your, your Thanksgiving episode. You fucking basically made a turkey 
without ever putting a thermometer in it. You were basically just opening up and you're like squeezing the breast. You're like, and I had water. And I yeah. made it with water. I made the gravy with fucking water. I only yeah. used the turkey. I made yeah. it so easy that you don't have to do a thing ahead of time. All, all you have to do is put the confit in the oven. The night before, if you even want to confit it, but you don't have to confit it. You can slow roast it in a moist environment. The legs yeah. need to be braised and the, and the breast needs to be roasted. This is basic kitchen science. Yeah. I would, no chef in his restaurant would ever throw a whole fucking turkey in the oven. Right. You have to be a fucking idiot. There's no way it's going to work. The breast is going to be so overcooked, you're not going to be able to serve it. I mean, it's just, this is how we, this is what makes sense. You know, everybody wants that whole turkey presentation. I don't get it, dude. It's so stupid. Leave the, leave, leave the, leave the two breasts on, on, on the breastbone. That looks just as good to me. Yeah. Just stick it on the table. And I mean, as soon as you bring those comfy legs out, anyone who wanted the whole bird presentation is going to shut right the fuck up. They're going to be like, holy crap, look at those legs. And I got to tell you, you, listen, here's, here's why, okay, here's why I love what you're doing. I also, and I know how to fucking cook, but I've also been a victim of basically recipes and TV shit that you see. There's so much, they have pages to fill. They have a word count that they have to reach. So they just add so much bullshit. I've been wanting to confit duck legs for probably fucking 20 years and I haven't done it because I'm like, well, I, have, I don't have the duck fat. I don't have the fucking this, the, the, the star anise. The, the, <laughs> the way that you confit those legs, the turkey legs, I was like, oh, fuck, man. This, this is all I need to do? Just throw in some fucking oil and put it in the oven and go to bed? This is the other thing that no one communicates to people. Fat is fat. Liquid is liquid. You understand? It's like, I only use, you know, two types of fat. I only use extra virgin olive oil and, you know, grass-fed butter. But fat is fat. So yeah. you can replace the duck fat with extra virgin olive oil, which is much better for you. Okay, I know, obviously. but you read these fucking recipes and they're like, you need to use the duck fat that was farmed in Normandy That's, or it's not going to work. And you're like, fuck. You know what? Honestly, fuck the French, dude. They complicate, <laughs> they really complicate everything for no reason but their own egos. And it's really annoying to me, trust me, because I'm like, dude, don't complicate that. Yeah. Don't write it, don't even write it in a recipe like that because they love making things look like it's unobtainable because they want to keep their jobs. I'm not in that business. I'm in the business of pleasing people. Dude, you got to be stupid to think that giving away your secrets is, is going to close your restaurant. Yeah. I mean, you got to have more than one secret, first of all. Yeah. Okay. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's like, I mean, share everything I say. Be completely transparent. All it's going to do is create a frenzy around your dishes, which is exactly what's happened to mine. All my dishes are, 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 are going to live way past me now. Way past yeah. me. But, I mean, my legacy now is secured because I've given away all my secrets, and I'm and I'm making up new secrets as I go. So I'm just, I mean, it's I seriously, man. When I'm finished with this, it's gonna be a bible for cooking, literally a yeah. bible. Yeah, yeah. I'm telling you, I, I think I look. It's pretty insane that you're giving away all your secrets, and it's like. It's this thing of, because uh, chefs loves to do that. Oh, it's my secret recipe. It's my secret. And you're just like, oh, I'll show you literally. Because every, every time I'm like, yo, you got to follow. You know, the, the, chef from, uh, the chef from Frank, he's got this Instagram thing. And they're like, oh, man, I remember having the lemon pasta at his restaurant. That thing is amazing. I'm like, dude, you can make it so easily. <laughs> so easy. Watch so the lemon easy. pasta. But it's like, again, I'm just like, I'm, I'm kind of floored by it. And I can't stop watching it. And also, there's something about your personality 
that I think is exactly what we all need right now because everyone's talking about there's you're like a guy's guy and that's like <laughs> people people are confusing that with toxic masculinity they're like oh you know you're not supposed to. and the thing is you're a guy's guy you but you fucking love your kids more than anything you love your wife more than anything you're you're also like a hippie when it comes to fucking buying your ingredients with your grass-fed co-op <laughs> and this and that like you've got so many layers to you that are so fun to watch and um yeah i just I I, I can't recommend it enough. Like if people if people want to learn how to cook, actually want to learn, like just start going through it. It's so much fun, and you're fucking hilarious too. It's very like <laughs> funny to watch too. Well, uh, I mean, I'm very lucky that I reached a point in my life where I just don't give a shit anymore, dude. That, I just I, don't care what anyone thinks yes. about me. I don't give a flying fuck. I am doing some really. I've been I've been doing some really cool badass shit my entire life. And I've been kind of, you know, reluctant to just be myself, you know, you know, yeah. because I, I am loud. I'm, you know, I'm opinionated. I'm, you know, boisterous. I'm yeah. in your face. And, you know, I get it. I mean, I lose a thousand followers a week, guaranteed because of that. No, seriously, <laughs> I lose a thousand a week. Thankfully, I have 2,500 coming on every week. Almost. Exactly. So, you know what I'm saying? But. You know, You're curating I mean, look, your audience. I'm not for everybody. I'm not going to give you any recipes. When you ask me for it, I'm going to get aggravated with you. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, look, I am giving something very valuable away for free. And yeah. if you are my apprentice, and being an apprentice means you shut up and listen. Yeah. Okay? That's what you do. Because I'm telling you something you need to know. And I'm doing it for you. I have your best interest in mind. So cut the attitude. Listen up. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Because what I'm telling you, no one will tell you. Okay. And again, and, yeah. I, again, yeah. it's it's when I watch you, it's it's like it's meditation. It's he, you do it with such a simplicity. And I, when I try your recipes, I feel myself. I made the bro, your Brodo Sugo method, right? Wow, that's good like Making a broth <laughs> and then making a gelatinous kind of reduction, a second reduction. It takes two days to basically make. And I was so full of anxiety in a way because every time <laughs> that i would make a, a broth before it would be like a two or three hour thing and this was like nope don't touch it yet <laughs> and you literally needed a fucking yogi meditative state to just walk away and that a lot of a lot of the time is what you're teaching is like just be patient don't yes. fucking shake the pan let yes. it caramelize leave it, yes. leave it alone but it's like a scary thing i mean i'll tell you the one the one thing that you made that i'm like poof this is a tough one. Is the, your brown butter your brown butter steak method, okay? Yeah. I'll tell you this, I'm guilty when I get a fucking nice expensive aged steak in my house, I prod it, I put the thermometer, I do the reverse Ooh. sear method, <laughs> I do the this and the that. Like waste of time. Because you're so I you look, I saw the way your steaks turned out and I was like, "Oh my god, I'm fucking doing it wrong." But man, <laughs> you're like you know, you're literally asking me to put a blindfold on and go into battle to just be like, take this fucking 100 pound chunk of meat and just know when it's done. And I'm like, man, but it, the way that it came out, by the way, watch the fucking steak. The brown butter steak method video is one of my favorites because it's like, nice. it's like, it's like fucking steak and Barolo. And like, like, I just want to like whip my dick out and fucking <laughs> it's like, I am man. Exactly. exactly. But yeah, take me through this. The, tell me, tell me why I should okay. be scared of the steak, man. Well, there are, in my opinion, if you have a really good piece of meat, okay, and it's a steak, okay, 
They're a ch- or any chop. I, I mean, the great thing about the brown butter method is it was originally developed for filet mignons because filet mignons have almost no fat, but they're very, very, very tender. Okay? So by cooking them in butter, you're able to get a nice crusty fat crust on it mm-hmm. like you would be able to get on like a New York strip because the strip has a layer of fat on it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that's how it began. You know, for me, was I was cooking fillets in it all the time. And I'm like, why am I not just doing all steaks in this? And this is a long time ago. And I just said, you know what? I'm going to start doing all steaks in it. And I couldn't believe. The, the real aha thing about it is that the temp is so low that you're not even smoking up your house when you do the brown butter method. You know what yeah. I'm saying? If, if you're smoking the house up really bad, your heat is too hot. You see, that's the other thing is everyone wants to do that in a cast iron pan. You can't. You yeah. got to be able to see the color of the butter. Okay, mm. you want it dark brown but not black, and it's the action in in the actual pan that tells you if it's hot enough. Because when the fat is super hot, it's going very very fast. Yeah, when it's very slow, it's going very very slow. Just like when water's boiling. So you got to look at the action and the color to get the perfect temperature on the fat to be able to get the crust. And depending on how thick this Mistake is because I don't, I don't recommend for a medium rare anything thinner than two inches. Yeah. Okay. Because it's going to take time to get the crust because you're at a low temperature. Yeah. And the, what happens is you have a reaction occurring in the whole butter with the natural sugar and the natural milk solids that creates the brown butter mm. that creates this amazing crust. And you are cooking a steak in its own fat. Yeah. It makes complete sense. You understand? Absolutely. It's supposed to taste like that. It's supposed to taste like that fat. And that's why when I do it in the grass-fed butter, it's really out, incredibly outstanding because grass-fed fat is what really tastes good. Regular fat, regular feedlot beef fat doesn't really have that much flavor, which is really great to use the grass-fed on a regular feedlot aged steak too. Like a, you know, like a prime USDA steak is awesome in the butter like this. But the By the way, for those that, who haven't seen the video, you're basically taking more butter than you think you need. By the way, that's my favorite thing that you say in your thing is like, use more onions than you think you need, make it hotter than you think it needs <laughs> to be. It's like these great assumptions that you make. But yeah, you basically take a whole stick of butter and you melt it in oh, a... It's not about amounts. You, yeah. you need enough butter in the pan to be able to spoon it back over the steak. Yeah. So, so if you got a wide pan for a very small steak, you're gonna need a shitload of butter. You know right, saying? right, so right. You need to get the right size steak into the into the right size pan to be able to use less of it. But the great thing is, after you're done, you can use the butter for the sauce. Yeah. It's amazing for the sauce. You can add sugo right into the butter. I yeah. put, and you guys have seen me do this on previous brown butter methods. I put whole cloves of garlic into the brown butter while it's going. I'll put. Towards the end, I'll throw a little bit of rosemary in. You know what I'm saying? Mm. I start to build the sauce in the pan with the butter. And then I pull the steak out and hit it with wine, reduce it, hit it with sugo, reduce it right over the steak. Incredible sauce. I love it. So, or you can just, look, I mean, it's it's a cooking tool of butter. You throw a little butter away, what's the big deal? You know, exactly. You made an incredible steak with it. I mean, you know, you're using fuel, right? I mean, you know, you're throwing away fuel too. I mean, you can't think like that. Oh, I mean, wasting butter. The butter's in the steak. Yeah. The crust is the fucking butter. And that's the amazing part is you'll never get a crust 
that will ever match a brown butter crust on a piece of meat, ever, mm. because of the brown butter aspect of it. Yeah. The hazelnut, the nutty aromas and flavors that come from brown butter, magical, and nothing can replace it. Everyone's like, well, what about this baked butter or that baked butter or this baked butter? Because I'm because I'm kosher and I can't mix butter and, and beef. Right. Which drives me nuts, buddy. <laughs> as I, a Jew, as a bad Jew, I will say, guys, <laughs> this is fucking enough, all right? We're not in biblical times. Eat the fucking butter with the meat. <laughs> Tell them to just sin and ask for forgiveness, man. Just ask for forgiveness. This is something that I think God will forgive you for. Dude, I love let me tell you, I made a little panini with the, with, my friend made me, made me a uh, focaccio and brought it over yesterday. And I made a panini with, with just some pesto and some uh, prosciutto in it. I posted it on Instagram. My mom fucking saw it. She's been yelling at me all morning. You're showing yourself eating pork on the internet. I'm like, fuck <laughs> me. I, fuck, I could talk to you forever. I, I need to, we need to get to our questions sure. though, which are going to obviously stimulate more yeah. conversation but um before we do that i just want to say you and i i feel like we have the same exact relationship to health that I, I that that people are confused by like people always see me they're like i don't understand you eat all this stuff and all this rich foods and then you're skinny and it's not i'm like dude it's not oh, full fat is not unhealthy if it's good that fat. is healthy you need fat that is sustaining you need 30 percent fat in your diet it's right there they the USDA, it's right there. Look it up. Yeah. What is the recommended amount of fat to be in your diet? And if you're a kid, you need more. Yeah. You need more fat. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I've been feeding my kids grass-fed fat and, and uh, drenching shit in, in grass-fed butter and extra virgin olive oil since they're fucking babies. And look at my sons. They're in amazing shape. There's, there's not an ounce of fat on them. I mean, that's yeah. probably genetic. But yeah. it's all about eating real food and not processed food. That is the switch that everyone needs to make immediately. And that's what I put, I just posted three IGTV posts on how to, how to maintain your health, okay? Mm. Everyone that I'm turning on to my methods is, is, is eating better food. Yeah. And they're, they're hitting me up and saying, oh my God, I've never felt so good in my life. And I'm like, of course you, you're eating lightning cow every day. Of course yeah. you feel great. <laughs> Like, what did you expect? I mean, that was all you had to do was have kale every day. Eating fresh food is the answer. Then you can cheat as much as you want. Dude, I cheat all the time. Yeah. All the time. I, I go to Italy and I go nuts. Yeah. I, go, I go nuts. I come back. I fast. I do the master cleanser fast. And I, and I immediately start my intermittent fasting. I fast twice a week. I don't have breakfast or lunch. Twice a week. Really? I'm fasting right, I'm, I'm fasting right now. I haven't eaten yet today. Wow. I, yeah, I'm not on that train yet. I'm sure I will be soon enough. I yeah. cheat a lot, then. So, I mean, I go to Italy for three months, and I eat four courses for lunch and seven courses for dinner, two bottles of wine a day. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, <laughs> I, have to, I mean, I'm in, I'm, I'm a fucking hedonist, man. I mean, you know, <laughs> same. I'm with you. All right. Well, let's get to these questions I asked you to every guest uh, towards the end of the show. Um, and, uh, I sent them to you earlier. You said, I just want to go off the cuff. I'm not even going to look at them. Here we go. Um, what is your earliest food memory? Earliest food memory would be when I was a little, when I was really, really, I'm not sure how old I was, but I was probably maybe like maybe three, maybe, you know, something like that. We were at my grandma's house for Christmas Eve and I was 
she was making the feast of the seven fishes. Okay. And she had live eels under the sink in 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 a tub. Okay. Right. And she asked me to hand her one of the eels. And I remember that experience pretty well. Wow, <laughs> so, yeah, that'll do it. A live eel in my hands is not something that you easily forget when you're three years old. So, That's yeah. amazing. <laughs> Um, Feast of the Seven Fishes is a traditional Italian uh, Christmas Eve dinner, right? Where you're literally, it's, is it literally seven fish? Or that's it's the- seven different fish dishes, okay, spread out yeah. over time. You know, we start early and we just keep eating fish. You know what I'm saying? Italian. Boom, boom, boom. You guys, you guys know yeah. how to eat, man. I love it's it. It's basically a seven-course fish meal, which, you know, traditionally has, you know, certain things on it, you know, Almost always has, you know, fried calamari, almost always has, you know, mussels, almost always has cod, you know, salt cod, almost mm. always has uh, octopus, almost almost always has, uh, you know, some other kind of fillet fish. You know, like, like a, I mean, she used to do the salt baked fish. I just did the seven fishes last year on NBC Open House, and they just re-aired it. You can find it on YouTube if you, if you guys want to see me do the seven fishes. I did it for them. Very cool. And uh, yeah, just search NBC Open House, Frank Prison Down. It should come right up. I love it. Uh, but yeah, I, you know, we do it in the restaurant. So yeah. I love it. So what is your death row meal? All right. You, 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 went, you, went, you went to get butter. They ran out of the good butter. They only had the shit butter. You fucking lost it. You murdered the, the shopkeeper. <laughs> now you're on death row. What is, the, what is your last meal going to be? Crispy egg and white truffles. Nice. That's the, that's, the, that is really, that's real poetry right there. That's yeah. just, it, it's really, I mean, you know, it's really hard to deny it. I mean, everyone that eats it immediately gets it because eggs taste like truffles already. Mm. A lot of people don't realize that, but especially the yolks of a really good egg of a really good farm fresh egg. Okay. They, they have natural truffle, truffle flavors and aromas in it. And it's just a magical combination. And I would want to have it in Piedmont Day. Of course, if possible. Okay. All right. There's probably a jail in Piedmont. We can we can uh, arrange that. <laughs> <laughs> um, what is the best high end meal you've ever had? The best high end meal I've ever. You mean out in you mean out in a restaurant? Yes. Best crazy high end meal you've ever had. Best high end meal I've ever had. It's tough because I've had so many. Yeah. I, would, I mean. See, that's the whole thing about high-end meals is they don't usually stand out that much for me. But mm. there's a place that I, I, I mean, it's a, it's, it, I mean, I'll say this place up in the, up in Verona and it's called Il Pompieri and it's in the, it's right in the center of Verona and uh, the chef's a friend of mine, his name is Marco and I've been eating there for close to 20 years and it's a, Simple, it's a simple Veronese trattoria on crack. You know, wow. I mean, excellent, you know, with excellent service and beautiful plates. And so it's really simple food, but I would consider it high end, you know, because of how it's handled. And that's the whole thing is that there's this kind of misconception between like what high end food is, you know what I'm saying? It's like, what is high end food? Well, anything could be high end food. Yeah. Any yeah. kind of food could be high end food. I consider something high-end when I'm eating on a tablecloth in a very expensive room with very expensive plates and very expensive silverware and very expensive glasses. That's a high-end experience. Yeah. The food doesn't make it high-end for me. Right, 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 right. I love it. 
What about, let's switching gears. What is your favorite low-end meal that you've ever had? This could be a street taco. It could be, you know. My favorite low-end meal would be, that's got, I mean, you mean like straight food then, basically. Yeah, yeah. That would be a pizza marinara, okay, right outside of Dami Kelly, the famous, infamous 200-year-old pizzeria right next to the train station in Naples, where there's a two-hour line outside the door to get in. But you can walk up and just ask them to make your pizza to go, and they hand your pizza in a box, open it up and eat it right there, and order a marinara pizza from them. That's my favorite marinara pizza, and it's a magical experience all around. I love it. I love it. Do you have a favorite drunk food? Spaghetti limoni, man. (laughs) (laughs) That is actually a great drunk. I feel like that's when I'm drunk, I usually will make a make a simple pasta and it really hits the spot. I mean, you know, spaghetti limone, spaghetti garlic and oil, crispy egg. Those are really great drunk foods. I mean, yeah. I mean you can because you can make them fast before you fall asleep, leaving the pot on the stove. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Which uh, I've do you, done. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Do you have a, a hangover, a hangover cure, favorite hangover food, hangover cure? Lightning greens, man. Lightning greens. Really? Just, just, just keep doing the greens. Yeah. Crispy egg over lightning greens with brown rice. If you're not feeling better within a half an hour, I'll be surprised. Interesting. I like it. Uh, what, who is your favorite celebrity chef? And this could be like a food personality, like a, it could be a Bourdain or like a Jacques Pepin or... Um, who's your number one? I, I, see, this is, I, I follow no one and I watch no one because I like to keep my thoughts completely pure. So I really don't have one. I would, I I would say one of my mentors, you know, that's who I would say, who is now actually uh, one of my salesmen, uh, Nicola Zangi. I pretty much right out of culinary school, I went into his kitchen and he was the best restaurant on Long Island. And between him and his Sicilian father, because they're Sicilians, mm. they taught me more in a year and a half probably than anyone else ever has. And I mean, he's a very close friend of mine, you know, very dear friend of mine. I, I still talk to him, you know, pretty regularly and definitely one of my heroes. I mean, he made me really want it. And, you know, that I went after. And, I love know, like, that. Where, where in Long Island was this? He was in Glen Cove. It was, it's, it was okay. a legendary place called Nzangi. Nicola Zangi. I grew up he in Greenneck, which is the town over. This was a long time ago, though, boss. I mean, I, I, I graduated culinary school in 86. So this is like 87. Nice. 1987, yeah. Nice. Um, what is your desert island food? So you're trapped on a desert island. There's one thing you got to eat for the rest of your life. You're never going to get tired. <laughs> is it a tropical island? It could be tropical, hopefully, sure. Hopefully tropical. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one thing, and I can only have one thing. One thing you're never going to tire of. Uh, arugula. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I, eat, I eat it without anything on it, man. I mean, yeah. I, mean I, I literally, I use it instead of bread to clean my pasta bowl. Okay. <laughs> I love that. I do like a pepperoni. I call it arugula scarpetta. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, is there a food that you can't stand eating? Mm, well, I can't stand eating. No. 
I mean, I love all flavors and all textures. I mean, I even I like bad smells. Like yeah. really, I, I'm 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 addicted to all smells. I find food in everything. You know what I'm saying? So it's like I mean, my palate is supercharged at this point in my life because yeah. I've worked on it so so hard. I'm constantly present when I'm eating and thinking about what I'm smelling and you know what I'm tasting. I mean, I can taste just about anyone's food and with a 95% accuracy tell them not only what's in it but how they made it. I love that. I love that. Um, now this is my favorite question because I feel like you and I are going to be uh, supercharged on this one. <laughs> what are your restaurant pet peeves? Well, I already had a few of them. Yeah, you, know, you did. <laughs> talking before, but those were good. Definitely, my uh, the biggest pet peeve, and I shut them down in, immediately as soon as I sit down, is the reciting of the specials. I mean, mm. it's just, it's just, it's torture. It's fucking torture. Wait, how do you shut them down? I'm just like, no, that's okay. Uh, do you have it written down somewhere? No, okay, we'll just order off the menu. That's I mean, honestly. <laughs> I don't, I'm, I'm not your fucking audience when I come to eat. I'm sorry. You're, you know, I'm there to enjoy myself with my friends and eat your food. If I can't get all the information I need off of your menus, then you're fucking something up. Simple as that. I mean, yeah. no one should have to go through that every time they come to your fucking restaurant. You got to stop it right now. Yeah. Right, seriously. Uh, I hate also when the waiter is like, I have a salmon. I also have a, I'm like, you don't have shit. You don't have <laughs> shit. And, and you don't make shit. I can make, I love when they do that. I can make you this, I can make you that. No, actually you won't be making me anything. Okay? <laughs> a Mexican guy, a very talented Mexican guy in the, in the kitchen will probably be making it for me. I'll, I'd love to talk to him. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> That's who I really need to talk to all the time. You know, I mean, most of the time I'm like, just, you know what? Like, I'm not going to ask you any questions. I if you can't answer me, you're not doing your job. Yeah. I mean, if you got to answer, I mean, if you got to go ask the chef, you, know, you should know the food well enough. You know, which is also kind of aggravating when they they got to keep going to ask someone. I'm like, dude, you don't know the menu. I mean, seriously, this yeah. is your job. I, yeah. I don't, I don't understand it. Yeah, I feel like I feel like um, you got you also create a great vibe in your restaurant. One of the things that bothers me is like if the lighting is too high or if the music. Oh God, is too it's so terrible, right? It's just I don't fucking get it, man. Like, how do Dude, people I not know? Cold people are creating the coldest spaces to come in and eat in, and I don't get it. I'm like, I don't give a fuck who designed this place. Yeah, I, I don't care. It's fucking. It's cold as shit in here. Like, hey, I don't want to ever be here again. I don't want to ever be sitting here again. Like, yeah. like I can appreciate beautiful design, but that doesn't mean I have to eat in it. You know yeah, I don't want to feel like you know, I'm in a fucking Dutch architect's uh, office. <laughs> I want to feel, feel a sense of peace and relaxation come over me when I enter your fucking restaurant. I don't, I don't, I don't want to feel like if I touch something, it's going to break. You know yeah. what I mean? Or, if, or I'm going to sit on a chair that's so freaking uncomfortable, but so beautiful at the same time. I'm just like... Okay, it's beautiful, but I got to sit here for two hours and my ass hurts. <laughs> Last question, Frank. Sometimes four hours I sit down for, by the way. I mean, I mean, I do five-hour meals. Like, yeah. like, it's nothing. I love it. I love that. I love that. Um, last question. Once this fucking COVID shit's over, what would be the first restaurant you'd want to go to? No quarantine, no, no, no restrictions. I would. Well, I missed my truffle. I missed my truffle trip this year for 20 something. I think it's like 21 years. Now. I would have to go back and look at a calendar. But I'm pretty sure it's 21 years that I've been going to Piedmont day in the fall, you know, to eat truffles and to bring truffles back. So 
I miss those meals. You know what I'm wow. saying? So I, I would like to, I would, I would like to go to my, also one of my favorite restaurants, you know, I mentioned that place in Pompieri in uh, Verona, but uh, probably tied for first is, is, a, is a restaurant in Piemonte outside of Monforte called, uh, called Tretteria della Posta. And that's definitely one of my favorite meals also. And I missed that meal this year. And I, I mean, it was terrible to have to miss all those meals. Anyway, I would love to go back. I would, that's what I'd like to do really. And, and that's what I probably will do as soon as I feel like it's going to be safe enough. Probably in the spring because maybe they'll. I don't. I don't know if we'll be able to have in Italy this year because I mean it's a massive you know fest. But they yeah. usually go to Italy in the spring for in Italy. So if they don't have in Italy, I'll probably go up into the, into the north into Piemonte and I'll eat my way through Piemonte for the spring. And that's what I'm dying to do is be in Italy. I mean I do three trips a year. I mean I'm in Italy th- close to three and a half months a year every single year posting from there also you know so i I didn't do any of that this year also so i just missed that fun i had going out with my friends in italy and and you know eating with them and posting with them too you know because you know we all post and you know we post together and we are literally at the i mean we are some of the top palettes in in italy period sitting at the table with me you know saying the conversations we have the love we have for food and the passion we have for everything and we taste everything blind yeah yeah we try to fool each other on lines all the time too so it's 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 educational it's it's exciting it's terroir based always you know it's just an unbelievable experience i miss that so much it hurts i get it man i totally totally get it and uh, you know you're modest, so you probably you wouldn't bring it up. But I know that you've done a lot of work for COVID relief. You were feeding a lot of the first responders, which was so yes. nice to hear about. And uh, it's just a testament to who you are, man. You're such a you're a great guy. It comes off on camera like I feel like you know there's 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 uh, there's a couple of people like Anthony Bourdain and uh, and Phil Rosenthal's got a show now called Somebody Feed Phil. And the reason that they were so good is so that they're so authentically themselves. And I see that in you, and it's such a fucking joy to talk to you. Thank it's you, a joy to watch, you. your, to watch your series. And uh, yeah, I mean, I can't recommend Thank Frank so enough, much. both his restaurants and his methods. So Frank, you're the man. Thank you so, so much for joining us. My pleasure, Dan. Anytime. This episode of Green Eggs and Dan was produced by Andrew Steven. Executive produced by Jeff Umbro and The Podglomerate. You can find more of their podcasts at thepodglomerate.com. The theme music is Beautiful Food by Idan, and interstitial music is by Breakmaster Cylinder. If you like this show, please tell a friend, share an episode, and leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.